Welcome to another episode of Give Me Those Star Wars, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me today for the first time on Give Me Those Star Wars is one of my favorite podcasters. You know him as the voice of Dave's Daredevil podcast, among other shows. Please welcome J. David Weeder to the show. How's it going, Dave? It is going stellar, pun intended. (laughs) Nice. Thank you. Thank you for coming. You know, when you hinted oh so subtly that you want to be on the show, uh, I knew I had to make it happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm, I'm anything but subtle, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, people, we have got a very fun topic today. It's something that I've wanted to do for a while. We are going to Star Wars some movies, meaning take the plot of another popular movie, or maybe not so popular, depends, and then kind of insert it into the Star Wars universe and see what kind of story potential it has. But we also have some pretty big news items to cover, since I haven't done a current events section on the show in a long time. Before we get to any of that, however, it's your first time on the show, Dave, so I have to ask, how and when did you discover Star Wars? There are three things, as I was thinking about this, that have been capturing my imagination since since I could remember. One is Superman, the other is Star Trek, and the third is Star Wars. They've always been around. Now, I was born in October of 77, so Star Wars has literally been around my whole life. <laughs> Incidentally, my brother was born in 80, my youngest brother in 83, so wow. there's a pattern there, yeah. Apparently, Star Wars is an aphrodisiac. I was going to say, I didn't (laughs) want to cast aspersions on your parents, but wow, okay. Yeah. And then, of course, in the proper German, my last name is actually Vader. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. But Star Wars, I mean, it it was primarily the toys. I mean, Kenner basically merchandised my whole childhood. Between that, between superpowers and the Batman lines, Kenner owned me. And I actually ran away at four years old because I, I was promised the entire collection. I was not given that. I made it all of like two blocks in the snow. And I found this guy taking out his trash. He's like, you need to come in. <laughs> and I, I was assuming I was going to come live to the, these people. And my mom found me. Oh, no. I've, I've always been a little bit spirited. I didn't get to see any of the original trilogy in the theater save Jedi, at least first run. I think we saw Star Wars at a movie theater at a drive-in. But when watching Jedi, I took it a little too seriously. I've always been somebody who knows the difference between reality and fiction, but isn't afraid to kind of test the waters a little bit. So at six, I think six years old, we went to see Return of the Jedi, and I had an honorary Jedi Knight certificate that came in under ruse. (laughs) And I took it seriously. I mean, I had that thing until I was 19. So when Palpatine is shocking Luke... I'm like, I got to go help him. So I go busting down the aisle towards the screen. <laughs> My mom's like, come back here. That's not how it works. <laughs> but it's 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 always been around. And, you know, it was dormant for, for some of my childhood there for the most part. You weren't we weren't expecting to get another Star Wars. We had Ewoks and droids. And yeah, those are fine. But I was basically building my head cannon at that point. Uh, me and this girl would play, uh, which sounds weird. We would pr- <laughs> we would make up our own stories. And there was Jedi and Jindra, which was the female Jedi. Before you assume I'm misogynistic, bear in mind, I was eight years old. (laughs) 
And it's just, it's always been there. And, I, and when I was about 16, when Power of the Force 2 came out, yeah. when it started building, uh, the THX release came out on VHS because, hey, it used to be $89 to buy a, a copy on VHS. But suddenly there was accessibility to this, and I immersed myself. It was the first time I really, really immersed myself in Star Wars. And, you know, it's got a special place in my heart. That was my wife and I's first date. We went to episode three. We played the Imperial March at our wedding. It's it's part of our establishment. To say it captured my imagination is is, is understatement. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm I'm glad that Jedi was your first theatrical experience, or your first Star Wars theatrical. Mine too. Yeah, I had to learn it through the the storybooks and stuff. Which I mean, it's kind of with Star Star Trek is the same thing. I had to get through the comics, but when I finally saw the trilogy and got it, you know docile when watching empire like <laughs> vegetative just watching this thing and absorbing it i knew this is a fandom that's going to be with me for life really yeah yeah gosh same same that's why we're here so. yep. all right let us turn our attention to a few bits of news for the star wars current events segment i always do a spoiler warning for this part of the show i don't know if we'll actually get into anything really spoilery this time because these are pretty general topics but just in case, if those of you listening are worried about spoilers for upcoming Star Wars movies, you may want to skip this part of the show. The start times for each segment will be listed on the show notes. Okay, that was the possibly needless spoiler warning. Let's get into things. First up, by now this is old news, but I haven't gotten to talk about it. The director shakeups on both Han Solo and Star Wars Episode Nine. Colin Trevorrow had been signed on to direct Star Wars 9, but a couple of weeks ago, he exited the project. Officially, this was a joint decision made by Trevorrow and Lucasfilm because they couldn't come together on the script for the film. This did not leave Disney with a lot of time to find a replacement director, and they didn't take a lot of time. Just a few days later, they announced that J.J. Abrams, the writer and director of Star Wars The Force Awakens, would return to helm the third chapter in the new trilogy. Dave, what do you think of the change of directors? I'm kind of mixed. I mean, Abrams has proven himself to me. Um, the only beef I have is that he sometimes backpedals. He's like, mm. yeah, maybe maybe we shouldn't have marketed it this way. But he handles what's essentially one of the highest stress directing jobs on the planet. Because if you think Disney is not micromanaging their cash cow, you are wrong. <laughs> but at the same time, I kind of like the idea of each movie having its own voice. So I was kind of looking forward to that, but uh, it, it, we could have ended up much worse. Yeah, I was never thrilled about Colin Trevorrow when I heard that he was signed on, just because the only, and I haven't seen many of his movies, and I understand that his sort of passion project that came out recently um, that he was really excited about did not either A, make money, or B, get any good reviews. And I don't even know the name of the movie. Um, but he was signed on right after Jurassic World came out. And Jurassic World was a huge financial hit. So yeah. I understood why Disney would seek him out. But I didn't like Jurassic World at all. I thought it was a, a dumb movie story-wise. And I didn't think there was anything really spectacular about the direction. So when I heard that he was off the project, I was like, okay, cool. I did assume that just because of the time constraint, it would have to be either J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson, who's directing Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. Now, it sounded like they have been crazy in love with Ryan Johnson throughout the making of The, of the Last Jedi, and I think a lot of people saw him as the front runner to, to basically pick up the reins. Now, the time factor would be the other thing, because it didn't look like... I mean, he would still be in like post-production at this point. He doesn't have time to write the script. 
But some other news that just dropped is episode eight is done. Like Johnson already turned in the final cut to the film. It doesn't come out for like another like two or three months. But he's done with uh, with episode eight, so he could potentially have started working on the script for nine right now. And but I, he's yeah, he's more or less an indie filmmaker. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, I I I really liked Star Wars: The Force Awakens. I had no problem with J.J. Abrams' directing of it. Issues of the script would have probably been the same complaints that a lot of people had, which is that while he was also telling a new chapter, he was doing <laughs> he was also doing a love letter to the original one and kind of a, a soft reboot slash continuation because uh, you know, let's not even it was the same basic plot as as the original Star Wars. There were some details, but it was it was pretty close. Um, I don't think he will fall into that same trap. I do not think that the next one will be a carbon copy of Return of the Jedi. I just it'll be interesting to to see where he goes with another continuation because a lot of people, myself included, loved what he did with the first Star Trek movie in that new franchise, and they did not like what he did with Star Trek Into Darkness, the continuation. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, one other note about Episode Nine: in addition to the director change, they have officially changed the release date. It was going to be the summer of 2019. It has been pushed back to December of 2019. I don't know why they didn't do that to begin with. Right now, Han Solo is still confirmed to be coming out next May, like two weeks after the Avengers Infinity War. I don't know why Disney is putting those movies that close together, but... And see, I've grown to like the Star Wars moving to the holiday season. Me too. Yeah, it's a new thing. It feels like Star Wars for Christmas, Mm -hmm. which is what the original toy release was all about. So... Yeah, I kind of like that. Now, I mean, it's it's good news for Aquaman because that movie has, it isn't going up against any competition next December. But, yeah. Uh, shifting briefly to the Han Solo movie that's coming out next summer, as we said, there's a new rumor going around that Lucasfilm might put Darth Vader in the movie. Now, it doesn't sound like Vader was involved in the script at first, and that could be wrong, but... A lot of people are speculating that this is just a bit of desperation, that Lucasfilm is nervous about the Han Solo movie and are resorting to Darth Vader like sort of like stunt casting after his fan favorite appearance in Rogue One. Do you have any thoughts on this? First of all, like this is all speculation. Like it might be that he was always intended to be in the movie and they just kept that secret. But the way the news has broke recently, it sounds like they're thinking about putting him in basically to do what he did for Rogue One. Which in itself was stunt casting. I, he, mm-hmm. I don't think he was heavily involved, and they added some scenes, which they added a scene that I'd always wanted to see, which was the, the Citadel, his, mm-hmm. his lair. I, I would like Darth Vader to stay away from this one. If this is a, a heist caper movie, leave Darth Vader out of it. <laughs> yeah. We don't know enough about the story at this point. Um, so to say he doesn't belong in, he's not part of the story, I don't know. I mean, it could be that they're stealing like Sith artifacts or something, but I, I don't know. I, I was really glad because I first, I thought we were going to get Rogue One is, would be like the first Star Wars movie without a lightsaber duel. Um, and we came close to that. I mean, we didn't have a duel, proper duel, but we did have a lot of lightsaber action at the very end, which admittedly was a really cool scene. Um, I want to be able to see a Star Wars movie that doesn't have Jedi just to see if it'll work. And I don't know if they have the faith that it will. That's a little sad, especially when you have like Ron Howard coming in, mm-hmm. which I thought was like, I thought it was, I thought, I seriously thought it was a joke. <laughs> yeah. Cause you don't associate Ron Howard with, with Star Wars. 
Right, right. Yeah, with these. Yeah, that, that was the other thing that I forgot even to mention. Because, yeah, the, the Han Solo director shake-up. Like, Phil Lord, Chris Miller, the guys behind the Lego movie, they were directing this one. They were in the middle of production, and it sounded like their style, the 21 Jump Street, let's just get on the set and make it up as we go along, that was not flying with Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, it sounded like, no, they they wanted much more, as you mentioned at the beginning of the segment, the micromanaging the hell out of the property. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they brought in Ron Howard, who, like you said, like I would not have thought of that. However, I did almost bring up Willow in the topic that we're going to be talking yeah. <laughs> about later. So that, yeah, I could kind of see it. I didn't need to see a Han Solo prequel movie, so this one hasn't really been exciting me. But I, I actually, more the more I think about, it, the more like Ron Howard's influence, I do kind of want to see that. Yeah, I also want to hear him narrate the story like Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was Lando. <laughs> Chewie had made a big mistake. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I would pay to see that movie. (laughs) I probably will anyway, even if we don't get that. Okay, folks, we are going to take a short promo break right now. When we return, Dave and I are going to put some Star Wars twist on some other movies. Don't go away. Okay, doing the new promo. Do not say take the dare. Do not say take the dare. Okay, go. Hello, darling. Nice to see you. It's me, J. David Weeder, the Conway Twitty of podcasting. But please, call me Dave. I host a show called Dave's Daredevil Podcast, where I talk about Marvel's Man Without Fear and Netflix superstar Daredevil. But I'm here to tell you that things have changed. Don't worry, I've still got more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at and a desperado love for Daredevil. And episodes of the show still come out each and every Sunday. But now, Dave's Daredevil Podcast is part of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. That's right, the show can now be found at 2TrueFreaks.com, home of Earth's mightiest podcasts. And if you haven't tried the show before, I see the want to in your eyes. So take the time to check out Dave's Daredevil Podcast, because sometimes you need a podcaster with a slow hand. Dave's Daredevil Podcast, every Sunday at 2TrueFreaks.com. Take the dare. I have no self-control. All right, we are back. When Disney and Lucasfilm announced that in addition to Episodes 7, 8, and 9, they would also produce spin-off movies like Rogue One and Han Solo that would exist in the Star Wars universe but could potentially have very different styles and tones from the classic space fantasy that we've seen up to that point. Ever since then, I have been hoping that they would really push these spin-off movies into different types, even different genres of films. And I've been looking to other films for inspiration, just as George Lucas, his original Star Wars, took so much inspiration from various Western, war, and samurai films that came before. So, on this episode of Give Me Those Star Wars, Dave and I are going to throw around some non-Star Wars films and see what kind of stories that we could come up with if we set them in the galaxy far, far away. Are you ready, Dave? I'm ready. All right, do you want to go first or do you want me to? Uh, You start us off. Okay. Um, then I will go with the one, basically the obvious, the first one that always came to my mind. And in fact, when I heard the title Rogue One would be the first movie out of the gate for the spinoffs, I thought of X-Wing Rogue Squadron, the mm-hmm. starfighter group that began in, well, it, they weren't X-Wings, but the rogue group that began the Empire Strikes Back. We saw them in Return of the Jedi. They got their own novel series. They got their own comic book series, got their own video games. And I've always wanted that type of movie. Now, what would it be like? Well, 
a fighter pilot movie, I, I couldn't go any further than Top Gun. So I would have a Top Gun style movie. Get a brash young pilot with something to prove. Maybe he's force sensitive. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's just a normal guy. You could take somebody like Luke or like Wedge or a, a, a well, not original character, but a Corrin Horn who was invented for the books and the comics. Pluck them in that Maverick role. Put them through some basic training. Send them up against the Empire. And you just have like a movie that's basically just starfighter combat, because I always loved those scenes. Those were some of my favorite parts of the movies, were the vehicle battles, the the snowspeeders versus the AT-ATs, the Battle of Endor. My favorite part of those three battles going on in the Battle of Endor is the space battle. I just, I loved how chaotic that was. So, I would do something like that, and, you know, I, you know, he could be, like, the son of Porkins. That could be the main <laughs> character. He's got to redeem his father's legacy. What do you think? I'm surprised Lucasfilm isn't working on this, to be honest with you. The X-Wing Squadron books are huge. There's a market for it. I'm legitimately surprised that something like this is not in the works. I mean, they they must know how big a deal it is because they, they keep putting in the new ones. I mean, Poe Dameron, his whole thing at the end of The Force Awakens with blowing up the Starkiller bases, like, that really wasn't essential to the plot or the main characters. Like That was felt like it was shoehorned in because we needed a battle like that. And now I've enjoyed the hell out of watching it. So, um, you know, I, I, I just said how much I like those things. So I enjoyed it. But I was like, that that wasn't as crucial as blowing up the Death Star, which would irrevocably change, you know, the, the galaxy, our characters, because they all would have died if they didn't. So what if they did do it with the, the, the Battle of Yavin, where, I mean, Biggs was a friend. He's basically in the goose role. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to fend off, you know, as much as they can with these TIE fighters and Vader and. You know, of course, the the giant freaking Death Star. Mm-hmm. But that could be the climax of the movie. Yeah. It's it's all about what was happening on Yavin while Luke and and Han were rescuing Leia. Yeah, that could I, be. I, yeah. I would I would pay it. I would I would watch it in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. What do you got? I I went a different direction. I went with Dirty Dancing. <laughs> okay, I love it. <laughs> Because, A, I'm, I'm a fan of Swayze. But set it on Alderaan, of course, before episode four, because otherwise it'd be awkward. Um, young <laughs> it's just Leia's, a bunch of rocks in space. Yeah. <laughs> young Leia and, and Bale, they take some time off at a resort where Leia learns about herself and the world. And she's learning dance from a charismatic instructor, maybe a spy for the Empire. But I, I kind of want to see a Leia origin. And she does match Baby, who was going to go into the Peace Corps. <laughs> Like, this could actually work for leading to why Leia goes into the Rebellion and is such a vital part of it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know what my favorite part about that idea is? I want to hear, like, the Max Rebo band do, like, Cy Snoodle <laughs> singing Hungry Eyes. <laughs> Nobody puts Leia in a corner. <laughs> you might leave out the the, the abortion. Uh, you could go yeah. a different way with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this won't be a beat for beat, but certainly the basic idea of it. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the next one I came up with, this, is, this was actually the inspiration for the one and only Star Wars role-playing game that I ever GM'd. The Hunt for Red October. Uh, I, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I can never 
get tired of watching this movie. Um, but like the the whole submarine warfare, I think would be brilliant for a intelligence spy espionage kind of Cold War type of story set in the Star Wars universe, where you've got the Sean Connery, the the Captain Ramius character. He's an old Imperial commander, beloved in the Corps, but maybe he was born on Alderaan. And, like, something about that or or one of the other atrocities that the Empire has committed, it just kind of, like, broke his spirit. And after his wife or his family is dead, he is given their new, you know, custom super star destroyer, whatever, you know, something else that they that the galaxy has never seen before. And they're, like, taken on a test run, and he decides that, no... The Empire doesn't deserve this. They, the rebels need to win this war ideologically, and he decides to defect. Now, how do you defect the rebellion with an entire Star Destroyer? And then you get, you know, this could be during the rebellion. It could be after the Battle of Endor with, you know, like the, the New Republic era or something like that. But you've got one lone person. And I actually, I think it would be great if it's Leia. Uh, especially if the Ramius character like came from Alderaan and that was part of the reason why he's defecting. But if they have some sort of connection, she kind of knows him or his reputation. If she's the one person who believes, no, he's not a crazy Imperial who's going to lure us into a trap and decimate us with this weapon. He is going to turn that weapon over to us. He's going to defect. And, you know, Mon Mothma, Admiral Akbar, they think she's crazy and they don't. They don't want to buy it. And she has to convince Han and Chewie to take her to meet with this guy in secret and kind of broker this truce when both the Empire and the Rebellion are coming after them. I just I think that would be a really, really cool Star Wars story. I would love this. You could make it just tense as hell. Yeah. Because yeah. Hunt for Red October, I mean, it, it gets you. And I love the idea that, I mean, like you said, how do you steal a Star Destroyer when it's full of a, a crew of Imperial troops? Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of, of, you know, the Jack Ryan role, the one person who believes, who, and it's, the, it's a person who could make a difference, too. And somebody who's not necessarily the best equipped for this type of mission, but is just like the one person who believes in this cause and is willing to stick his or her reputation on the line for this, his or her life on the line for this. So. Well, here's the thing. How does that movie end? Does it end well? Uh, the Hunt for Red October, yes. But no, the the movie we're pitching here. Oh, like um, when you take it into the Star Wars universe, is this something? I mean, you got to do something with the Imperial troops. You get to the end, and and he's he's he would rather destroy this than hand it back to the Empire. Mm-hmm. And if it's before the Battle of Endor, I think ultimately it's got to be it's got to be a choice to destroy the ship rather than let the Empire keep it. Um, and maybe give the, like, maybe it's, maybe it's a regular looking Star Destroyer, but it's got some new cloaking technology or something. And he just give he's able to hand the data over so that they can negate it. So basically like whatever the weapon is, it's going to be useless. Um, because if they've got like the technology for more of these ships, then they can just make more or something like that. So it's got to be something where once the secret is out, the threat is neutralized. So there's room for that. There's room for the spy genre in star wars mm, yeah that's what i want to see and i kind of want lucasfilm to listen to this because this <laughs> that was one of my favorite pitches when i thought about it well i wish the role-playing game had gone better but that was the, that was what i tried to do see i never tried the star wars role-playing game i did the star wars miniatures like a thug though oh yeah nice well if if i can actually crack it there will be at least three episodes of this podcast in the future talking about the role-playing game by its different publishers so We'll we'll see if we come to that. But uh, all right, moving on. What is the next movie that you have that you're going to put the Star Wars spin on? The second one has uh, it keeps with the theme, and that is Roadhouse, an underrated <laughs> classic. 
Nobody. These are, these are all going to be Swayze movies. I, I can't wait to get to two Wong Fu. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny because I, I was throwing out ideas with my wife and she started down Harry Potter. And I'm like, nope, same movie. Young child uh, gets orphaned, goes to live with his aunt and uncle, learns he has great powers. His mentor, Dumbledore and or Obi-Wan dies. So that one quickly dropped off the list. But mm-hmm. Roadhouse, which I love to death. I'm not going to tell anybody it's a good movie. I know better. <laughs> Nobody in that movie thought, hey, this is going to be Othello. <laughs> but damn, is it fun. And I like the idea of kind of going to the set of like the Moss Eisley Cantina where all this. I mean, people just get their hands cut off and everything goes back to casual <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. And you got this guy who's coming in to clean it up, and he's he's all about being nice. Be nice till it's time not to be nice. <laughs> oh, I do want to see that now. Yes. Yeah. Who who is the bouncer at the most likely cantina? Who's that guy <laughs> who's got to just like work that shift, like take care of the trash, like aside, you know, and maybe you know he's sympathetic to the droids, but you know, like the, those guys that like picked a fight, Doctor Avazan and Ponda Baba, when they picked a fight with Luke, like you know. What was he doing? Maybe maybe he gets hired after that. Like the bartender's yeah. <laughs> like, dude, like we had two people got like hands cut off, and then Greedo got blown away. This is all in the span of like seven minutes. We need a little <laughs> bit more uh, security on this place. So. They're not buying drinks if they're dead. Yeah, <laughs> but I'd love to, I would love to see just somebody go. Why do they keep playing that damn song all the time? Do they know another one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> but there is a lack in the Star Wars universe of the the regular person perspective. I mean, all these huge galaxy shaking mm-hmm. battles are happening. What's what's Johnny on the spot doing? Right. I mean, just Joe Blow. I would love, and I mean, I it's it's a format that we hardly ever see. But I would I would actually like a Star Wars sort of maybe like an anthology movie um, because the Roadhouse one. I mean, maybe you could get a two hour movie out of that. Maybe not, but maybe like just. 20 to 30 minutes, just like a, a story of something like that, like just kind of like that little pitch and then move on to, to something else. I mean, I would take Tales from te- like most Eisley movie or something with just like a bunch of different little short vignettes or something about that world. But uh, but you know what? With Disney coming up with their own streaming service, that could be ideal. Yeah, yeah. And they've, they have talked about for a while, they've talked about ways of doing Star Wars TV shows, but they could do something like that, something smaller. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be cool. I mean, uh, there's room for it. Let's be honest. We're going to buy it. Yes, yeah. At this point, it's compulsive. Yeah, yeah. Interesting the talk that you had about Harry Potter basically being the same movie. I kind of like, when I was coming up with my list, like there were a few that leapt to my mind and then I instantly just said, no, they're already pretty much there. Like I thought of, okay, the Indiana Jones movies. I'll put them in Star Wars. I was like, then you basically have the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe yes. not that silly, but it's pretty much like what would a crime noir thriller detective story be in Star Wars? Well, it would be Blade Runner. <laughs> like if yeah. if you got a detective on Coruscant, it's going to be Blade Runner pretty much. So I was like, those movies are already kind of already there. But yeah, moving on to uh, some other ideas. Um, I've got three more ideas and two of them are just I don't even have like really plots. It's just sort of the setting. But um, one that I did think this will happen. We, we we need a basically a Star Wars Western, considering how much of Star Wars is already inspired by the Western genre, from the first half of Star Wars to the first half of The Force Awakens and everything. And I had this idea for the longest time when they were talking about doing a Boba Fett movie, which they still might do. Although I think the next one after Han Solo, the next spinoff, might be an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, which still might feel like a Western if it's all set on Tatooine. Uh, but when they talked about doing a Boba Fett movie... I became more and more convinced that the only way that could work is if you 
don't necessarily like Boba Fett could be the main character, but he shouldn't be our POV character. We need somebody else to basically watch his story and tell the story of this guy through their own innocent eyes. And I kind of came up with two ideas similar to this. The Professional, or Leon, the, the French one with um, Natalie Portman and Jean Reno. That guy. Yeah, Jean, Jean Reno. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to think of it too. Um, the Professional, or the Western version of it, which is True Grit. Um, and especially the, the more recent one that I've at least seen with Jeff Bridges. And, the, um, and both of these movies, you've got a hardened badass killers sort of guy, but they're handcuffed metaphorically to this younger more or less innocent character and i think that's what a boba fett needs you need somebody like that maybe he's kidnapped somebody or he's taking them in for the bounty and finds out that for whatever reason we have another character a pov character that sees boba fett have to overcome these odds and they don't make him a hero but he's at least in the the morally righteous one of the story. So I would I would like to see that type of thing, like a, a true grit or the professional or like a Western like 310 to Yuma where you just have a bunch of bounty hunters converging on the mm-hmm. same thing um, as the Boba Fett or the bounty hunter movie. I think that's the way to do it. Otherwise, if you try to do like an origin movie or you show his face too much and everything, and that's forgetting everything about the origin that they gave him in Attack of the Clones. Like I would, I would keep the mask on. I would never talk about his origin. It would just be his story told through another character's POV so that we have a little bit of a distance from him. I think that would uh, that would preserve the mystique, and you would get to see him being cool, as everybody thinks he well, I know there was a backlash against him, but as most people for the longest time thought he was ultra cool, without spoiling that by showing too much of the character. That's what I would do. And you see, I'm, I'm in the camp that, yeah, Boba Fett's okay, I'm just not thrilled with him. But I think you've hit on the only way to do a Boba Fett movie. Because what works about Boba Fett in the films, you can disregard the holiday special. <laughs> he shows up in Empire, and he doesn't really capture Solo. He He's there, he's looking cool, but really the Empire does the work, and he, he kind of takes the reward. And then what happens in Jedi? Well, he dies like a girl. <laughs> and, and there, I know people may get mad. You can direct your emails to Ryan. Um, <laughs> but I was just never in the cult of Boba Fett. But I see why people like Boba Fett because he's he's got a mystique. You know nothing about him until you get to Attack of the Clones. And even then, there's a long period between Attack of the Clones and Empire. Mm-hmm. And if you spoil that mystique, you've killed that character. You've taken away the cool factor. So you've hit on the only way I think a Boba Fett movie could work and justify that fandom. Well, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> well played, sir. All right. What is your number three? Uh, number three is one of my favorite movies of all time. High Fidelity. Oh, yeah. Because, again, we're looking at that everyman person who lives in the Star Wars galaxy, which we see snippets of, but normally they go off to a great destiny. This is not that. <laughs> we have an owner of a Coruscant music store who's going through tri- you know, trials and tribulations in love. Just normal guy stuff. I mean, maybe he's got a couple of wacky sidekicks that are droids. I'd love to see a Jack Black droid. That would be great. <laughs> I was going to say Jack Black and the other guy have to play the exact same parts. They yeah. could be they could be motion capture. They could be aliens or droids or something. But it needs to be those two actors playing essentially the same parts. But the thing is, how does romance work in the Star Wars universe? I mean, Han and Leia, the only solid romance we've had on screen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could say Anakin and Padme, but let's be honest. Didn't go so well for either of them. <laughs> Han and Leia just kind of fell apart, which is what real couples do. And I would love to see that, you know, this is what it's like on Coruscant. This is the day-to-day. Like, one of my favorite parts of Attack of the Clones is when Obi-Wan goes to the diner 
it's normal. It's it's detective stuff, and it just it, it, it I think it would be but again another anthology idea. Yeah. It would not hold its own movie because <laughs> High Fidelity does, but this this is a little bit bigger. Yeah, I just want to hear more of the music though. <laughs> like, what, what are some of some of the other like? What's the Stevie Wonder song <laughs> like that they put in the Star Wars universe? So. Well, I, I found out, I didn't know this, but apparently there's a brand of music being played in Jabba's Palace. It's not jazz. They call it jizz. They changed that. Yes, that was... I, the, I would, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the um, the Cantina Band originally, the Figrindan and the Modal Notes, they were originally called a jizz band. <laughs> like, J-I-Z-Z, Because, right? like, hey, it's like jazz, but different. It's like, do you, have you... No, no, no. Like, for the longest time, like, pick up a lot of Star Wars reference material from the 90s, and that's what it's called. They changed it, though. Now that brand of music is called Jats. It's J-A-T-Z. Well, I, I think that's a step up in the right direction. <laughs> just, Can like, you imagine George Lucas's face when he finds out what that means? <laughs> it's, like, uh, uh. <laughs> it's like his beard starts falling out. This, what have I done? This instrument, <laughs> it's called a jizz whaler. It's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Clearly, you haven't you haven't run this by any fifteen year olds. What yeah. you're talking about when you're just going through this Star Wars catalog? Oh, I love it, love it. Um, all right, well then, moving on. Like another one that I had, and maybe this one isn't long enough for a full movie either, because it's really more of a premise. I don't know what the, I don't know which characters are or whatever. But I thought a racing movie set in the Star Wars universe. It could be speeder bikes because I love the speeder chase from Return of the Jedi. Mm. Even the pod race scene from The Phantom Menace. I mean, at first I thought that was the best part of the movie, and then I went through, you know, I was like, everything about The Phantom Menace is stupid, and I hated all of it. I hated the effects. And I've slowly kind of come around to just say, you know what? Screw that. On its own, that pod race scene is really cool. That's a fun, fun little movie. And they made a video game based on that. So I would, based on like movies like Rush, the recent one with Chris Hemsworth, or Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise, or... <laughs> I mean, we could go comical and do it like Ricky Bobby, like in Talladega Nights in Star Wars, which I would watch that too. Suddenly, um, that's the movie I want now. <laughs> yeah, really. More than any of the others. Um, but something like that, just a racing movie. And maybe it's maybe it's only worse for like a 20-minute short like on, on uh, the streaming service or something. But I would love to see just a good racing story, racing movie, either with a speeder bikes or, or the, you know, cloud cars. Or, you know, some other vehicle where it's not a good versus evil story. It's just kind of a departure where it's just a competition. Somebody trying to win their freedom. Uh, somebody just trying to, you know, uh, trying to get their kids back. Again, I'm going back to the rest of development. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like that I think would be fun. No, I think it's viable, too. That pod racing scene, you're right, on its own, it's entertaining. It was just, it didn't need to be that long in, in terms of a movie that already had no huge narrative value. But <laughs> Right. It's entertaining, and I think the entire Tatooine pod racing thing actually has some potential, at least for like a comic book miniseries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if not, if not a, if not a animated short, because Star Wars needs to play in the animation biz a little bit more. You remember yeah. Clone Wars, the original Clone Wars? That was phenomenal. I want more like that. Do you mean the um, the one that was like the Samurai Jack style, or the yes. other one that came out? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that and was, actually, those were phenomenal. Yeah. They, they set up my expectations wrong for Grievous, but they were phenomenal. <laughs> and 
I even I think I remember there was one that was like a joust on on speeder bikes or something in in yep. one of those episodes. So that kind of works too. Yeah. So. All right. What else you got? <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this one in retrospect, but I, I'm a big fan of the House Party movies one and two. <laughs> you don't need to watch three and four might as well not exist. Kind of like that fourth Indiana Jones people keep talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry, but when your hero goes after the Holy Grail and rides off literally into the sunset, your movie series is done. <laughs> yes. I had the soundtrack to House Party 2 for a long time. They're, they're fun movies. I mean, you don't go in ex, you know, go expecting a lot, but this would be something in, in, the, in the era of, of the very beginning of the radio drama. Okay. So you have Cammy, you have uh, – oh, what's – The Fixer? Yeah. Is that that guy. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah like, I, know, I know who you're talking about, yep. You have Biggs, and, and Luke is basically trying to raise money to go to the Academy. So he tries to throw a party at the Lars Homestead. The Jawas and Tuscan Raiders show up. It gets out of control. I'm I'm in. <laughs> I mean, combine that with something like Can't Hardly Wait. You've got yeah. a golden opportunity here. <laughs> oh, gosh. The teen graduation party drama. Yes. <laughs> Comedy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's, not- the cantina, it's an origin of the Cantina Bank as they keep breaking up and, and getting back <laughs> together for a reunion. <laughs> Uh, for nothing else, we have those characters calling Luke Wormy <laughs> throughout the entire movie. So, oh man, that was... <laughs> you're making me nostalgic for all these other movies. Like, I don't, need... I don't even know if like I need to like put the Star Wars spin, but I want to watch Can't Hardly Wait again. Yeah, Damn, I've watched good. it recently, and it holds up far more than it should. Nice, nice. <laughs> that's good to hear. I, I'm trying to think. That might have been the first time I heard the Dire Straits song Romeo and Juliet. Is that a, a big moment in your life? It, it was that, that song. Oh. That, that song had a big place in my heart. So yeah. Um, and yeah, again, I, I, some of your some of your picks they also keep bringing me back to music because that was the last one on my list. Again, just something silly, a very different genre would be something like that thing you do or Dream Girls, where it's just like the making of a band. It could like not necessarily the Max Rebo or the one that we've seen, but like some girl with big dreams to play, you know, the opera hall at like Coruscant or something like that. Or it could just be like a traveling, you know, kind of rock band, a jazz band, you know. Yeah. But um Or like center stage, that kind yeah. of <laughs> you have big aspirations to be on the stage. And those are scary aspirations. I did drama in high school. You never really get past that fear. Yeah. And surely my acting career didn't take off, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have the, the plots going with those, but for just weird different styles, different genres, like a racing movie and a musical movie or something like that, or like the, the, the band coming together and breaking up, something like that. Yeah. How great would it be if, they, if the, the band is – going to their next gig and they get stuck into the the fight uh, the chase from the beginning of episode four <laughs> donnie that thing's still following us <laughs> i think they're going after that bigger ship <laughs> the little ones after the the big ones after the little one it's like the big fish eating the little fish oh, i just accidentally made an episode one reference <laughs> they're they're booked to play java's palace right after luke and leia like kill them and everybody like uh, they all die so they just show up at the palace and it's empty like hello, <laughs> we, we gotta get. Do we still get paid? <laughs> you Jabba, no bother. Well, I can't bother him if he's dead. So anyway, uh, what else? You got one more? One more. My favorite movie of all time, The Big Lebowski. <laughs> just the sort of Raymond Chandler way that you know this this layabout. This guy that just wants to mind his own business and do whatever the Star Wars equivalent of bowling is. 
gets embroiled um, when he has an aggression that will not stand. And Jabba the Hutt nihilists confuse him for a senator of the same name. They steal <laughs> his rug. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm a brother Seamus. What, like an Irish monk? <laughs> <laughs> He's a nihilist, dude. You want a toe? I'll get you a toe. I would love to see like a, a CGI creature that, that that's like Walter. Yeah, yes. Voiced the by Clone John Wars. Goodman still. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch my friends die face down in the mud in the Clone Wars. <laughs> I'm finishing my blue milk. <laughs> oh man. What what could the Star Wars bowling be? We need so we need to invent some game similar to that. That would be fun itself, yeah. Yeah. Alright, well oh man, I wanna see all of these movies. We just, we just came up with 10, at least 10 movies that I want to see set in the Star Wars universe and other movies that I just want to rewatch that I haven't seen in the longest time. So this is a lot of fun. I'm glad, I'm glad that we did this. <laughs> we'll probably end up with a lot more ideas right after we finish recording. Yes. Oh, we could have done that. Yeah. And people, those of you listening, if you've got some ideas for something like this, don't be shy. Put them, post them on either the Facebook page or leave them on the Fire and Water website in the comments section. We want, I want to hear all about these. So, yeah, let us have some more. Dave, before I let you go, you have to answer the Galactic Questionnaire. Are you ready for this? I am ready. Number one, Kylo Ren's lightsaber or Darth Maul's lightsaber? Kylo Ren's. I'm less likely to cut myself by accident. <laughs> Good. Number two, X-Wing fighter or TIE fighter? I have to justify this because I'm not going for the X-Wing because it's cooler, but because it actually has safety harnesses. TIE fighters are death traps, but they <laughs> maneuver like magic. Nice. <laughs> Good justification. That's why I drive a Kia Soul <laughs> and not a Corvette. Number three, better sidekick for Lando. Lobot or Neon Num? See, I'd have to go Lobot because Neon Num seems like the wingman who would say something stupid, and Lando is a fan of the ladies. <laughs> but Lobot, he's got that NASCAR headset. He can start blasting some Barry White. You know, maybe put some like aromatherapy. <laughs> I, I think Lobot is probably the ultimate wingman. <clears throat> Certainly for for Lando's purposes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, number four, you're going away for a while, and you decide to Airbnb your home. Who do you rent to? Jar Jar Binks or a family of Jawas? I would say Jar Jar Binks. I mean, either way, I'm screwed, but I think I would be more covered in homeowner's insurance with Jar Jar Binks because <laughs> they've probably got so many claims on him by now. <laughs> I love this question just because it forces people to vote consciously for Jar Jar Binks to be in their home. Yeah. <laughs> Number five, would you rather spend a year working on Uncle Owen's farm or one night dancing for Jabba the Hutt? The pay Owens is farm. the same. Oh, no, Owen's dude. farm. I don't care what it pays. <laughs> oh, man. You, you got to have more faith in your grace and athleticism. You gotta, Not shoot. when I'm dancing over a rancor pit. <laughs> Number six, you're piloting a rebel snowspeeder. Which celebrity do you want as your tail gunner? Oh, wow. Which celebrity? And we're talking about what are we defining as a celebrity? Um, somebody I've heard of. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alive or dead? Uh, yeah, could be either one. Oh, I'd put John F. Kennedy in the back. Yeah? He's got military experience. Does. He can talk us out of a fight if we crash <laughs> and we're surrounded. Nice, nice. Plus, he's probably got stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the final question. What's the first thing Luke says to Ray after The Force Awakens? God damn it. 
<laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Dave. What would you like to plug? Where else can people find you? Uh, eventually, I'll be back to Dave's Daredevil podcast. I'm working on new episodes, just a little bit slower because I've got uh, got some shoulder problems that are slowing me down on the editing front. All right. One more time, thank you very much for being on this episode of Give Me Those Star Wars. This was a lot of fun. I'm sure I'll have you back on the show at some point in the future. Oh, you know where to find me. Most people don't, but you do. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be there. Thanks for having me. (laughs) All right, people, we're going to take another promo break, and when I come back, I'll have your listener feedback from the last episode. Stick around. Do you think of yourself primarily as a singer or as a poet? I think of myself more as a song and dance man, you know. call him Lucky Wilbury. You may call him Bobby. You may call him Zimmy. But the world calls him Bob Dylan. It's Pod Dylan, the only podcast dedicated to celebrating the work of Bob Dylan. Pod Dylan, hosted by the freewheeling Rob Kelly and a roster of special guests, examines Bob Dylan's discography one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, Pod Dylan is available weekly at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Last episode covered a little bit of the Star Wars merchandise released on Force Friday and featured my son Reese's podcasting debut as I read to him the children's rhyming book ABC-3PO. Reese's guest slot earned the episode a lot of love on Facebook and Twitter and some new comments on the Fire & Water Network website. First comment came from former guest Paul Hicks, who co-hosts Waiting for Doom, the Doom Patrol podcast. Paul said... Welcome to podcasting, Ryan. Hope you stick with it. (sighs) Okay. Former guest Rob Kelly, who hosts Pod Dylan, Film and Water, and Superman Movie Minute, and many, many other shows here on the network. Rob said, I was really hoping W would be for Walrus Man, but I guess you can't have everything. Uh, I got a message from a first-time commenter named Goldran, who said... I don't often comment on podcasts, but I've been a longtime listener of the various shows on this site, including yours. Love, Power of Fishnets, by the way. Well, thank you for that. Uh, Though I don't often listen to this one, mainly because I'm an old Expanded Universe loyalist. Anyway, I decided to listen to the part of this about you becoming a father, and since it came up, I thought I'd share some of my own thoughts about Disney's reboot. First of all, I am not a totally delusional fanboy, or at least I don't consider myself one. At the time when the sale happened and the sequel trilogy was announced, I expected on some level there would be something of a reboot, but had hoped that they would have kept more of the old EU's characters and setting, Jason, Jaina, Mara, the New Jedi Order, and just told their own story with them. When it became clear that they weren't going with that at all, I lost all interest in their fiction and decided to just try to ignore them. What flipped my switch from don't care to actively dislike? Finding out they stole Ben Skywalker's first name and gave it to a ripoff of Darth Cadus, aka Jason Solo. It just hit me in all the wrong places and made me feel like the old continuity was being disrespected, with select elements of it Frankenstein together. Of course, this is all in the past and nothing can change it, but I wish they would have done, and actually still could do, is what Paramount did when they rebooted Star Trek, and keep the old universe around with new novels and comics. 
After all, if there's room for the Prime timeline and Kelvin timeline to coexist and have material produced at the same time, I feel there's room for both the Legendsverse and Disneyverse to coexist. Just uncancel the Sword of the Jedi novel trilogy that had been announced before the reboot already. Anyway, may the Force be with you and your family. Well, thank you very much for that comment, Goldrin. I loved the old Expanded Universe too. Those were the books and comics that I grew up with. But I thought trying to lock the new movies into that same timeline would have been a mistake. Uh, I didn't have a problem with Ben's name being reappropriated from Luke's son to Leia's son in the new movies, but like you, I think it would be cool if they didn't totally dismiss the EU as non-canonical and work to erase it. I wish they could find a way to keep both continuities active. And I think it's telling that Hasbro is making a Jaina Solo action figure this year for their current 6-inch Black Series line. That was the result of a fan poll. Fans wanted a Jaina Solo figure. They're getting a great one, so... On some level, Lucasfilm knows the fanbase for the old canon is still there and still strong. Maybe in a few years we can get new Legendsverse stories with Mara Jade and the Solo Twins, but maybe not. I mean, Star Wars has forgotten about previous continuities in the past. Look at how the classic Marvel comics were viewed during the 90s when Dark Horse had the property. Moving on, Chris Franklin from Supermates Podcast, which includes the seasonal horror-themed House of Frankenstein episodes that you must check out. As well as Superman Movie Minute and Batman Nightcast, Chris said, This took me back to all of those books I read to the kids, including my beloved childhood book, Batman from Alfred to Zoe, which is based on the same idea as ABC-3PO. You are sowing the seeds of never-ending geekdom, my friend. That's just good parenting. Hope so. Uh, Nathaniel Wayne from Punch Like a Girl podcast and 90s Comics Retrial podcast said, Geek parenting can be quite the journey as you find over time what geekdoms your child does and does not take to. My own daughter has an appreciation for things like Batman and the real Ghostbusters, but they're not her favorite things ever. Those would be anything with dogs or wolves at the moment. Star Wars has been a non-starter because she has virtually no interest in live-action films unless they star animals. Wizard of Oz seems to be the one exception. However, I have managed to get her into Miyazaki films to the point that she recognizes the art style and gets excited over it. It helps, in my case, that I never grew out of animation, so we still find plenty to enjoy together, with me more just gently nudging her towards a few key geekdoms. I wonder if Nathaniel's daughter would be interested in the Forces of Destiny animated shorts or the Star Wars blips on YouTube that are like 10-second cartoons about the droids. I, I really don't know if the Forces of Destiny stories would hook a new fan who hasn't been introduced to the characters of Leia and Rey and Ahsoka and the others from the films. Try that out and see. Get back to me. Uh, I got a comment from James Williams who said, That was the most adorable podcast I've ever heard. Reese is lucky to have such an awesome dad. Well, thank you, and yes, yes he is. I uh, got a comment from Brian Linton who said, The first Star Wars book I shared with my daughter was Vader's Little Princess by Jeffrey Brown, which I recommend along with his book Vader and Son. Of course, the book totally spoiled the big Skywalker family tree reveal for her right off the bat. It actually made me a little sad to realize that the revelation, which had shaken the very foundations of my childhood universe, would be a simple given fact for my daughter. Still, it's worth the price to be able to share my Star Wars fandom with her. Most recently, we've started playing the LEGO Star Wars video games together. It's hard to beat blasting battle droids to bits with your youngling. 
I can imagine, Brian. I can't wait for him to be old enough to engage a little bit more with this stuff on his own. Uh, as for the two books you mentioned, yeah, I've had Vader and Son and Vader's Little Princess for years, like since long before even I thought about having a kid, in fact. Uh, and our final comment came from disgraced former HHS secretary Tom Price, who said, oh, wait, sorry, uh, Tim Price, sorry. Tim Price said, ah, the memories of reading to the wee ones. If this book had been out 12 years ago, maybe I could have gotten my daughters into Star Wars after all. Thanks for sharing the time with your son. He sounds like a joy. Well, he is, Tim. He, he really is. Now stop spending taxpayer money on your private jet flights, damn it. Okay, that is all for this episode. One more time, I want to thank J. David Weeder for being my guest. Next episode will probably drop in a couple of days since the trailer for The Last Jedi is set to premiere during Monday Night Football. Just keep checking this space for my reaction to that. And until then... A love-struck Romeo Sing the streets of serenade Laying everybody low With a love song that he made Give Me Those Star Wars is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Feedback for the show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or the Facebook page for Give Me Those Star Wars. You can also find me on Twitter at RyanDaily01, or you can send an email to rdailypodcast at gmail.com. All music, audio clips, or quoted text are used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. Give Me Those Star Wars is not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm, and I make no money from this podcast, so no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. Song. When you're gonna realize it was just that the time was wrong, Juliet. Come up on different streets, they both were streets of shame, both dirty, both mean. Yes, and the dream was just the same. And I dreamed your dream for you And now your dream is real How can you look at me as if I was just another one of your deals When you can fall for chains of silver You can fall for chains of gold You can fall for pretty strangers And the promises they hold You promised me everything You promised me thick and thin, yeah Now you just say, oh, Romeo, yeah you know, I used to have a scene with him, Juliet, when we